0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already Racking up the awards, winning best-selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta awards both in 2017 and 2018. So, if you're in the Metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where it eats meets west chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast (laughs) Um, my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back to a monday night edition of the chase thomas podcast tonight i am joined by one of the athletics best NFL writers it's Michael Doug Dugar see I was going to mess it up if I didn't slow down as I was going through it but uh he covers the Seahawks for the athletic Seattle and it's uh it's great to have you on the podcast tonight man how is everything
1: uh pretty good pretty good just uh dropped the Russell Wilson story this this morning of one of the rare times I combine writing about football and writing about baseball so uh if you're listening now feel free to check it out
0: you got to give a good plug. What is the, what's the nut graph? What is it uh, about this particular Russell Wilson story that, uh, uh, for, for why people should read it?
1: Uh, well, you know, when someone's in the league, it's that long and that popular. It's really hard to find like unique angles to write about them. So this story is about the summer he spent uh, playing for the Tri-City Dust Devils, a uh, single A Mm-hmm. Uh, ba- minor league baseball affiliate of the Rockies. Well, they're the Padres now, but they were a single league. Uh, it was right after he got drafted. That's where he first went, summer of 2010. Uh, So I just, you know, tracked down his teammates, coaches, you know, everyone who was around at the time. He stayed with the host family Uh, there. I tracked that lady down. Uh, so, yeah, really dove into his his, uh, his six weeks, in, you know, playing minor league baseball, riding buses at eating Denny's uh, in a no-name town in uh, eastern Washington.
0: Okay all right do you think he'll ever do the baseball thing or is that just never going to be a thing for him
1: uh well he's got to learn to uh hit some fastballs if he's gonna (laughs) play baseball (laughs) he only batted 230 in the minors which you know isn't like terrible terrible but it isn't necessarily like screaming for you to get called up so he's gotta gotta get on base (laughs) and hit some fastballs uh but until then no i think uh i think football is the calling If if you're if you're having to choose between football and baseball like, I think it's not that hard of a decision, honestly, to go with baseball unless you're a quarterback. Quarterback is a lot more glamorous than riding buses through, like, these weird towns through the minor leagues for three, four years before maybe getting called up.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. It's a, it's a powerful pull. Um, did, have you asked him about Kyler at all and what he would do or what he thinks about Kyler?
1: uh someone asked him about kyler uh i think shortly after kyler won the heisman it was during the year i, I want to say in december uh and he gave some like really cliche follow your heart uh type thing like that doesn't
0: sound like russell wilson at all
1: <laughs> uh, i think i think that's why none of us really asked, Well, also because none of us who are like local who are there all the time i think someone national came and asked it Uh, that's why we didn't ask because one, we knew the answer and B, we just, we weren't going to write about Kyler, but yeah, I think it was something I could go find the transcript. I believe it was something to the extent of, uh, you know, follow your heart, do what you love or something like that. Nothing really insightful for someone who had to go through that exact same, like dilemma in college.
0: Does he ever accidentally stumble into interesting answers when you talk to him?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, yes. But okay. not
0: when he intends to. So right. that's how you have to get him. He seems like that dude who you he, <laughs> you have to surprise him in a way, or he just he messes up and he's like, "Oh, I was so polished, but I I entered I that just a little weirdly. I was a little too human there. This I, is this is gonna come back to bite me."
1: Yeah. So like, if he starts a response with, you know, it's a funny story. You know, the story is usually not mm-hmm. that funny. Uh, you know, but. <laughs> If you, Mm -hmm. if you ask something maybe off the wall or um, like it's, 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 I think one time he posted a picture with Doug Baldwin uh, when they were watching the Mayweather McGregor fight uh, and he had like a do rag on. And I thought that was weird Mm -hmm. because he doesn't like have waves and you know, so there'd be Mm -hmm. no purpose. He doesn't have a hairstyle that will require waves. So I think I asked him where he got it from or what, why, where that picture came from. And it was just like a little funny story. Uh, or something like that. But usually, if it's something where he can set up a, a a very like well thought out kind of cliched answer, he'll he'll do it. Even if it's like I think who, who just died? Did Aretha Franklin just die recently? Someone just died like that, and we I had, think so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in the during training camp. I think that's what it was. Someone like a really old soul singer died, and it was just like really. It was probably something that was meant to be like really heartfelt, like kind of like tribute slash obit, like during training camp, and it just came off really just this is a press release about your thoughts on the death.
0: Um, it was is a he bat, close to but, anyone yeah. on the team?
1: Um, that's a good question again. Uh, I know he was really close to Jimmy Graham. Uh, hmm. I mean, the guys who have been there and won the Super Bowl together, those guys will always be close. I mean, there will be levels to the closeness, but like Bobby Wagner, you know, Doug Baldwin, K.J. Wright, um, you know, some of like, those guys who were you know, through that fire together, Will always be close, because what they did is special, like they'll be they'll be reuniting at like ten year and twenty year and thirty year like reunion parties till they die, right? So those guys just have a kind of built in um, uh, some of the old linemen I know Justin Britt, uh, Tyler Lockett, you know they share obviously a love of football, but like really like have a faith based personality, uh, like really have yeah. he- heavy, heavy, heavy. heavy into it maybe heavier than some of the other guys uh on the team uh, i'm not sure what some of the new guys you have the last the last couple of years but i know like those guys i just named who've all been there since at least 2015 uh there's there's some good strong bonds there i don't know if you all play like Fortnite together but those are the guys i would say the closest
0: well it's interesting you left out the members of the legion of boom you left out Sherman. We already got some of that stuff, uh, which isn't at all surprising. Like, I don't think any of us, even being outside observers, would assume that Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson hung out. Like, there's just nothing about those two that seems to make sense to me as two guys that would just really love to chop it up. And then there's like the Earl Thomas wild card where, um, obviously we know how his, uh, his career ended in Seattle. Um, but it, I do think it's interesting that those guys were kind of their own bond, and then it seemed like, the like you said, Russell is closer maybe to some other guys. And um, I don't know. It, it, is that at all surprising to you that the Legion of Boom were kind of in their own world? Well,
1: I mean, some of them, they still all had, like, one, a general respect, uh, a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say general. It was mutual. It was like, they... As much as Russ admired what they did on one side of the field and how dominant they were, they also knew that they had a really good quarterback. And a lot of what they were able to do as a team those years was not possible without a dude who, you know, knew where he was throwing it. Uh, And I mean, even like Richard or Earl or Cam, uh, you know, even if they all weren't like, hey, come to my Christmas party close, I'm not really sure if they they were. But, you know, like when I mentioned that picture of Doug uh, and Russell and that McGregor Mayweather fight, Richard was there. You know, um, I think a bunch of a bunch of players and their wives were all there. So I wouldn't even if even if guys disliked each other or loved each other, their respect and admiration for at least what they who they were as men and what they did in the football field was there kind of across the board. Right. Like there's just levels to each one. Doug and Richard would probably like die for each other, you know, as opposed to uh, there'd be some levels like, hey, come to my cookout. But not necessarily like, hey, my wife's having a baby. I need some homies to come to the baby shower that close. You know, it's all mm-hmm. just levels, just like any office for the most part. There's some people that ask you for drinks after work. You say no, you make up an excuse. And there's some people are like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. go get hammered. You know, it just, it just, it's all, <laughs> it all depends.
0: Yeah. Um, do you think Earl Thomas is going to be welcome back? Is it something that gets... Is that a, a relationship, him and the Seahawks down the line, maybe post-Ravens? And his retirement, does he get welcome back? Is Do we see him on the sidelines? Is he going to be cool with them, or is it always going to be this kind of, like, bitter attitude and animosity towards that, the organization for how he was kind of treated in the last couple of years and the contract stuff got getting really ugly and him just openly basically wanted to go to the Cowboys and all this other stuff, but, like... Um, it was sad because he was just so damn good for so long, and it always did seem kind of crazy that they didn't want to pay him. Um, and now he's gone. Uh, was that crazy to to monitor last season? And kind of was it a tense situation all the time? And did you see it ending up the the way it actually did?
1: Um, well, in terms of how he'll be received, uh, it depends on who you're like referring to. It's like the players in the locker room, they get it, right? It's like, you know, yeah. Thomas is the best player in his position. Uh, one of the probably 10 best talents in the league. Uh, he wants to get paid. We all understand. Um, you know, even a guy like Bobby Wagner, who's a veteran who's like, eh, I need you to win, but he's going to also understand, Hey, go get your money. So those guys will always understand. Um, the coaching staff for the most part understand the front office will probably be like, whatever, you know, you left, you left, you know, we can, we can replace you. Matter of fact, we have to, and we will. You know, the fans will probably be split. There's the there's the, the kind of selfish ones who are like, I only like player A if player A plays for my team. And if he ever holds out, requests a trade, or ever demands a certain amount of, of money for his services, he will always be selfish. Forget about him. And then there's the ones who, the other half, who kind of get it. Say, hey, look, these players have no leverage. They're underpaid in in, in regards to, like, other sporting leagues and in comparison to the guys who, you know, own these leagues so i can get it so that's kind of how the split goes for the fans and the players and like the front office staff in terms of like how I was covering it i liked talking to earl uh, and i liked writing about the situation and covering the situation because they went away from like rpos and like how good the team's like pass rush grades are and you know run blocking and stuff like that that it's fine. I can talk about it. I'll, I'll talk about it as long as I'm getting paid to talk about it, but I really like getting into like away from the game, kind of the business side of it and kind of humanizing the, the players in that way, because they're, they're essentially assets, right. To the, to the front office. And a lot of times to the, the fans, but like at the end of the day, they are human beings with a voice. Uh, and they're about to probably get into like a huge, like labor argument, uh, and like whenever the CBA ends, I think after the twenty twenty season, and to kind of talk about that stuff in real time and like diag like diagnose it and kind of give it context and nuance to the discussion, that's always fun uh, for me. So I I really liked it. But I can see why a lot of people were like, uh, "Let's get let's focus on the guys who were playing." But I think that's actually kind of boring sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, what is the most interesting thing you've learned about Pete Carroll since you've been covering him? Oh. Ooh. That is something I've never been asked about, Pete. Um, you know, I've
1: I've learned so much of, so much about him. He's got a really weird sense of humor. Uh, Mm -hmm. he's, he's not, he's, I guess the most interesting thing kind of just confirmed what I already knew about him and that he is, he's different than a lot of coaches and that he, he, he's like, he's comfortable being a celebrity. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like some of these guys just like they're are yeah. the classic look like ball coach. Like I think they hired the dude in Detroit because he just looks like a football coach. He yeah, he really looked
0: mm-hmm.
1: like a football coach more than I think any other football coach looks like a football coach. Uh, like he's very comfortable uh, with that, and there's no like problem or like circumstance that he can't really handle. Not say he handles it well, but like he's handled a range of things where from like. You know, dealing with Marshawn Lynch, and just you know, to the point where Marshawn wasn't even getting on the bus for a playoff game, and handling, uh, you know, you know his court. They put out a press release when his quarterback got divorced, and you know the the infighting in the team, and then just handling all those personalities in the locker room. You know, his starting defensive end accused the cops of threatening to kill him in 2017. Like he's handled uh, just a lot of of different stuff, and that's not to mention just like the on field aspect of, of, of being the coach of like a team that grew to like national prominence. So the the way watching him kind of handle that has been interesting because I don't think a lot of coaches are, are built for that, like built for like adapting to like, okay, cool. I'm just going to be a celebrity status and I'm gonna have to learn how to manage celebrity personalities and still, you know, be me. Also, and I'm 67 years old, right? I'm the oldest coach in the yeah. league. Like he's, he he's handled himself well, uh, in that regard, although they had to handle all the anthem uh, stuff. I know every coach did, but like um, I think he handled that poorly, but it didn't seem like it wasn't something he was equipped to handle, you know. So other, uh, unlike you see some other teams, it's also handled it poorly, but it like their coach was just in over their head. Even the good ones like Mike Tomlin seemed like he was just in over his head that whole time. You know, watching Pete handle that stuff, it was very interesting to see it kind of from from that lens.
0: Is there a player he's closest to or you think he has like a, a a special fondness for and goes to a lot and just talks about stuff and like looks to him for leadership or just talks about life with him is there any any player in particular that he's he seems to be pretty close to With well
1: obviously Russell uh I know like the the quarterback coach Bond has to it has to be strong for there to be success so that's just going to be the you know the strongest one naturally Though it's the same way, as I mentioned, Russ is close with the guys who won those Super Bowl, or won that Super Bowl and went to the other one, is that Pete, you know, he, he watched them all grow in that same way. You know, I, he likes to tell the story of, like, recruiting Richard Sherman to USC in high school. You know, like, he's, he goes way back with uh, a lot of those guys, you know, Bobby and KJ. You know, he likes that bringing them all in when they didn't have any facial hair, they didn't have girlfriends and wives and kids. And then now watching them all like blossom. So all of those guys fall into that uh, similar category. Anyone who went to USC uh, is going to get a bunch of love because he just will not pass up an opportunity to mention the Trojans. Uh, But if I had to like pick a a top dog there in that regard, you got it. I'd have to go with Russell. And that was actually the focus of one of those articles about like the demise of the team was just like, hey, you
0: know, he's getting the
1: golden boy treatment and we don't like it. So let's let's like revolt silently. Uh so it can be good and bad that Russell is that top dog, but that's that would be my vote.
0: Okay. Do you think uh Brian Schottenheimer's uh chain's big enough?
1: His uh his like his chain? Like what kind of chain?
0: H- uh, his uh cross chain that he was rocking in uh the Cowboys playoff game this year.
1: I don't think he can ever have too big of a uh, of a chain. That was
0: a, that was a weird flex. Uh, like it was just yeah. out and he was uh he was there and it was. Um, I don't know, it was just, I mean, that's what I was looking at. And you know what? It's kind of and this, you can ask him about this. Like, I'm fully okay with this, uh, Mike, but um, I think he rocked that big of a chain, um, to shield the fact that uh, he was sabotaging the Seattle Seahawks offense for the duration of that game. He wanted people to not realize that he was, um, putting together the most conservative game plan of all time. <laughs> and uh, they would not look at that. They wouldn't look at it. what are you, Are you going to open up with Russell yet? No. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, Chris, uh, I was about to say Kristen, Michael, there's been so many running backs who've come through that Seattle system. Um, Just, it, it, I I couldn't believe it. And I, I literally went back in my notepad getting ready for today. And I saw like, I just like had highlighted what is that chain in <laughs> the game notes when I was watching it? And it was just something that, what are you doing, my guy? Like maybe he's just just so grateful that he's gotten another offensive coordinator shot in the NFL that like, you know what? He's flexing. He's happy. That guy, he's got everything he wants.
1: Uh, if if that was the the, the intent to distract from uh, the offensive uh, kind of game calling that, a uh, play calling that night, he did a poor job because whew. So the the reaction and the the uh, just everyone was just so angry after that game, specifically at the coaches. I didn't. I mean, that's a trend after playoff games a lot of the time, unless there's like something mm-hmm. like a, a natural scapegoat, like an, like a kicker or a quarterback with those interception receiver who drops the ball. But, whoo, it was swift, and everyone was in like consensus. It was like this is Brian Schottenheimer's fault for putting Russell Wilson in this cage, and it was just wow. That is that is fascinating especially when you consider that brian and i i I checked my notes on this he did not play any defensive snaps that game so i don't think he was responsible for the Mm. three the three thousand or so yards that ezekiel Elliott (laughs) ran ran on them that night so i i hate i really don't like blaming the coaches for like singular uh losses but who i had no choice but to address it after that that was brutal
0: yeah that wasn't uh wasn't the best work uh i would say and it was just Russell Wilson should not lose uh, playoff games to Dak Prescott. It just shouldn't happen. That's not how this should work. I, I just it was it was bizarre.
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. We had a uh I host the Seahawks podcast and we would always bring or at least most of the time bring a colleague on that I have at the Athletic the week before um uh, the game and I, one of our favorite questions is like, "Hey, is your quarterback good?" And the answer was usually somewhere <laughs> along like no, not really, maybe. Uh, the only people who, like, it was a definitive, like, good was, I think, uh, Carolina, uh, Green Bay, and Kansas City, obviously. Other than that, it was best to be like, eh, maybe, kind of, no. <laughs> it's really funny to look at other people's QB situations. Most teams are just in
0: such bad spots. Yeah, well, Carolina might be there now, because as much as it hurts me, Cam Newton, the greatest college quarterback of all time, um, did not lose a college game, folks. Um, but that shoulder stuff's bad. Like, everything I read about that, it's, like, the biggest under-reported story I feel like this offseason is that no one's really going into, like, Cam kind of took the, the more conservative route with his messed up shoulder he couldn't throw the ball downfield if you didn't watch the panthers the last couple weeks they literally took deep passes out of the game plan he physically couldn't do it i also don't know why he was allowed to play like that should have been a thing where it's like if you can't throw the ball 20 yards downfield anymore maybe shut it down for the year like i get you're in a playoff chase and all that stuff but like what does it matter if he'll never be right playing through it like it's not one of those things it just gets better as <laughs> you keep going and just keep icing it um, I don't know like he's getting up there His the way he plays it's not conducive to longevity in this league and I, I don't know I'm worried I think if you are a Panthers fan you've gotta wonder how much more this dude's got and if this shoulder re- thing is way worse than even we're being told right now it kind of reminds me of like the, the sneaky version of what was going on with andrew luck for three years where it was like i don't know what's actually true here but i just know it's bad and um are we sure he's ever going to be healthy again
1: yeah there's two quarterback situations right now that like don't get I, I mean, maybe they're getting a ton of attention locally but maybe on this side of the country is washington and yeah carolina because uh, you know alex we don't even know if he's ever going to play like anything again uh yeah, and, and Cam, Cam the same way. I do get the logic on Ron Rivera's part, though, that, hey, you know, a banged-up Cam who can't throw X far down the field is a lot better than whoever they put at back up. I can't remember who it was, but I knew
0: all oh, about it. I can tell you, it was backup. Kyle Allen, uh, Texas A&M and Houston quarterback legend, Kyle Allen, former number one overall recruit out in high school.
1: Yeah, I can see Ron's kind of maybe thought, like, look, we got Cam. They don't know how bad his arm is, so they'll play him like they normally would, and we'll just see how it goes. And they lost, like, seven straight, so it didn't work. Yes. <laughs> but I get the logic there from his part. Like, you live or die by Cam, you know what? That's what you've chosen, you know? So, so ride it out and die.
0: Yeah, Cam should have said no. Uh, I'm going to pack it in, folks. Like, this really hurts, and I can't throw the ball downfield, and I'd like to be able to throw the ball downfield again one day. I I just, I couldn't get over it. That's like something that just, it felt very archaic to me. Where like, we've come so far in a lot of um, medical science stuff and what a smart sentence that was, Um, but he's out there still playing. I I don't know. It it really irritated me seeing Cam just go out there and like not be able to do anything downfield. Um, But yeah, uh, Eli Manning apparently might be the Giants quarterback for the next 10 years, Dave Gettleman just keeps moving the goalpost back. He keeps adding another year to the Eli tenure in New York. Um, I love it. I hope this week we we learn that his plan is twenty twenty four now. Um it's wait a it's minute, great. what? I love the fact you saw that Eli, he said he still hopes he could be this quarterback in twenty twenty.
1: Oh man, that is I've said this They're not rolling that out either. That is, that isn't, ins- no one, no one is this patient with another human being that underperforms than the Giants are, <laughs> Eli. This is bad, that is, that is just inex, I don't even think that when Eli was good, he was good. Like I think he was bad when he was good. And by good, I mean like making Super Bowl runs. I never thought Eli was good. Man, that is, that is some dedication right there. Like that is, that is, that is impressive. You know, we could all take like relationship, you know, advice from, from Gettleman in terms of like the patience that they're showing over there.
0: Yeah, no. It's the quote is there is um, they will the Giants will not hesitate to extend Eli Manning's contract into 2020. Wow!
1: Oh my God! What a bad decision. That's all. That's like a top five bad football decision.
0: It's, oh, that's, that's well. That might be you know what three. it is? If Dave Gettleman wants to be the GM of the Giants for the next ten years, it's a great decision because what he's doing is he can sell this as like Jerry Reese just destroyed this roster over the course of several years. He went full Ryan Grigson. He never go full Ryan Grigson. Um, Who, by the way, is he still in the Seattle, like weird front office group now? Did he like sneak back in? Is he still there? I I, I I think,
1: I think so, but like not in a way Uh that that's like, like, like you said, it's sneaky. It's not, yeah, it's not like anything we're aware of like information that we're privy to.
0: Okay. Um, but this keeps it going, where it's like he can, if he doesn't take another quarterback, the team's like, well, we can't really evaluate Gettleman until he makes a quarterback decision. And by him just making Eli his quarterback for the next couple of years, it's like, well, he's got at least two more before they really have to start evaluating his job performance. And he's doing this full teardown, trading Odell, doing all this stuff. Like it's he's guaranteeing that this team is not going to be anywhere close to contending for the next couple of years. And if he's building through draft capital and all this other stuff. Um, I think this isn't even as bad as what he did last year. Like, I still think not trading down out of the two spot when it was just such a quarterback heavy league. And if you didn't believe in Darnold and Rosen and everybody else, whatever, I, I don't agree. But like, at least trade down. You trade down for two. You could have gotten Saquon later. And it was, it was dumb. Like, that's one of the dumber things, um, that's happened in, in the NFL in the last couple of years. But the Eli stuff, it, I just feel like it's a great stealth tank move where he's like, I, I'm going to keep this job forever
1: and it's it's i don't even know if it's like stealth it's like it's clearly like we don't want to win games every time you put eli out there and you put confidence in behind eli you're like you know what we are not trying to win anything like everything they're doing is like if i was to do like an snl skit about like a coach or a gm saying like here's how to run the worst team possible it would be to you know overpay or uh you know run into the ground a bad uh quarterback and roll with him forever way past his prime it would be to first overpay your star wideout then trade said star wideout it would then be to draft a running back in the top 3 of the draft like everything everything is bad all they're missing is like take advice from a homeless dude and sign Johnny Manziel i'm pretty sure the browns did something uh some, something similar to that everything they're doing is is just is just bad you know no one no one <laughs> Someone floated that rumor to Colin Cowherd about Russell to New York. They need a savior over there.
0: God, yeah, um, no. It's it's the saddest quarterback situation I think in football right now. Um, Miami, maybe a little bit more, like with Ryan Fitzpatrick and company. It's it's not great. Flores is in for a very bad year, um, which it's. The Broncos I, are I've in a bad spot. A lot. Too. So the Broncos, I don't know. I, I'm actually kind of they—they they give me a lot of like 2018 Bears vibes, which to, is to say that like I like their OC hire, pulling him away from Shanahan, giving him that opportunity. He's um, been around. Um, Gary Kubiak, he's going to install that scheme. And you know, with Vic Banjo, you'll at least have a top five, top 10 defense. Um, and they have a lot of defensive talent still, and you'll get another year of Freddie Chubb. And I still like that secondary. So they'll, they'll be able to rejuvenate that defense. And if that offensive line, they stole Mike Munchak, like that, getting him away from Pittsburgh is huge. Like that was probably the best coaching hire of the off season, just because of what he did with that Pittsburgh group for years and turned them into one of the best offensive lines in football. And now he's in Denver where they never have good offensive lines. So if you have a good offensive line, a good defense, it gives Flacco at least some chance of being decent. I still think they're going to j- take Drew Locke and roll with that and do Flacco as long as they can until he loses his job. But um, I just Miami scares me because I like Brian Flores a lot. He has a great story yeah. um, that everybody should read on ESPN.com if you did not read it last year. Um, but he's a guy that's easy to root for. Um, he's a Patriots lifer, but he's coached both sides of the ball. He played like running back in high school. Like he's just a great story. Um, however, this offense has all the makings of the worst offensive DVOA team in football this year, <laughs> and we saw what First happened to Bill? Steve Wilkes last year in Arizona.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's oh man, that Bills offense. Give it was that was that one of the worst DVOA offenses? In like the history of DVLA? Well, the Cardinals
0: that's... last year were top 10 worst all time. So the Cardinals offense oh. was historically bad. So Josh Rosen, who this is a good lead in, um, had a 43% <laughs> pressure rate, um, <laughs> which is just insane. He uh, Basically every other pass, he was getting dudes in his face. Like he never had a clean pocket essentially. So it's just incredibly difficult to evaluate um, somebody when they had Justin Pugh and uh, Andre Smith and company in front of you. Like, it's just... And really no talent whatsoever. But that just brings it back to, like, Steve Wilk got one year. He didn't get... Like, if you're a defensive-minded guy and that offense is just putrid in today's NFL where it's offense, 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 and if you have a fun offense, you'll get more time. If your offense is just putrid, even if the defense is making strides and Flores does wonders there, if they go 1-15, you can say tank for two all you want. I, I don't believe that it's feasible for a bad, bad offense to just survive. And him just banking on them, giving him the benefit of the doubt, I don't know. I'm sure they told Steve Wilkes the same stuff. Like, it's, we know this is a rebuilding job. We know it's going to take some time. We'll give you that time. And then that offense is just an all-time worst offense, and that's it. I, I that's It's just a concern there, um, especially just the minority coach situation there and how that the just the awful look for the league this off season on that front. Uh, uh Yeah, that's, that's
1: a bad. That's a bad look, man. All those black coaches getting canned and having problems getting jobs, and the guy does get one. It's the team that's trying to lose. <laughs> that's that is a, that is a worst case scenario. I know he's on a five year deal or whatever, but that's still worst case scenario. It doesn't though. matter.
0: These are all billionaires. They would gladly. It's not like it's part of the contract. They don't care. Like I don't think the the time. As long as he gets paid, which is great, but. Um. God, can you imagine if they had fired Mike Tomlin, too, this offseason? Like, what this... It. Oh,
1: my God. We'd have it had to get, like, a the NAACP really involved at that point. Like, to to if they're just canning all the... All it was from what Anthony Lynn left? Ooh, that would have, have been rough. Yeah, we'd have had to call, like, uh, Louis Farrakhan or something like that. Man, That would have been bad.
0: I have a lot of Anthony Lynn uh, thoughts as well. I, I <laughs> love that guy. And that dude just puts together good offenses, and I just... I, I don't know. That's a podcast for another day. But I, I will. I have some thoughts on just the way he's perceived and the unfair stuff. But anyway, um, basically what I'm saying is Colin Kaepernick should be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. That's what should happen.
1: <laughs> oh, there are so many teams that will be better. Just plug in the 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 lengths that these teams are willing to go to not even think about Colin is just so bad. Like you can go to the Broncos, the Dolphins. The Washington Redskins. There's just so many this like this just bad. You know, the Bengals, uh, there's Jesus, man. The 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 who am I missing? The Jaguars, you know, the Giants. There's just so many teams that like, man, you'll at least get three wins better with 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 Colin. And it's hard to do like war or whatever, you know, and wins for quarterbacks. But I would at least give all the teams I just named at least three more, you know, with 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 Colin there. It's just and the team is just like, nope. We'll call Josh Johnson. We'll call Mark Sanchez. We'll call Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I'm pretty sure is trying to do like the Nate Robinson model from the NBA and play for all all the teams in the league. My goodness, you know it's 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 really these teams should be ashamed of themselves.
0: But they're not, um, and that's the NFL. Love it. Um, Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen? If you were Dave Gettleman, what would you do? Would you trade for Josh Rosen and give up a second round pick, or do you just take Haskins? If he's there, because apparently they they they're a lot higher on him than they've uh, led teams and people around the league to believe. They dine with him recently on that kind of stuff. There's genuine interest, and they studied him like apparently like the hardest of any team. I think that was Daniel Jeremiah. that reported that uh, this off season. Um, but what would you do?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I'm a Pac-12 guy, uh, meaning I went to Washington State. Now, like I av- avidly root for the whole Pac-12. Meaning I just saw Rosen. Uh, a bunch and so, so obviously saw him a couple times uh in seattle week 17 in seattle he actually didn't look uh that that bad to be honest i think he'll be all right you mentioned all the things that were wrong in arizona uh you know fresh year head coach you got rookie quarterback uh who you didn't plan on starting coming in you know they were like hey let's pay sam bradford that'll work you know that was stupid uh
0: so i would see i was okay I, with that i liked it i like sam bradford if his knee wasn't just uh, nothing now. Like, there's just no cartilage there, and he can barely walk. Um, Sam Bradford's a good quarterback. When he has time, he's good. He just never has time, and he never stays healthy. I was okay with it. One year for Sam Bradford, I'm fine with it. That's not something I'll go. On. I will ride for Sam Bradford to the <laughs> end. I love me some Sam Bradford.
1: I I uh, I'm more like when I put my GM hat on, I am more in favor of uh using as like little assets as possible. To acquire a QB so if like you've got to trade what a second rounder maybe for Josh uh, then yeah go go ahead because then they keep their first rounder in that scenario right they would just trade for Josh and then mm-hmm. use the what do they have like the sixth pick I think on, yeah. on you know whatever heck I might trade that you know? <laughs> trade back for like 12 or something like that grab another pick uh, and, 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 and just stack some assets I think I would I would go with Josh I think Josh is going to be good I think he's also like built for what it takes to be uh, an NFL quarterback, kind of, kind of mentally as well, because there's like a that's a whole other aspect of it that people obviously consider during the draft, but it's like different when you get there, you know, and actually like get the job and how you behave then too. Like it was clear Johnny Menzel wasn't built for it. Right, He's sneaking off to Vegas to go gamble, coming back to practice hungover, you know, that it was clearly, clearly he was not, not built for it. Whereas I think. I was just in Arizona too for the owner's meetings. I think Josh will be, be all right. So if you can use that as a second round to go with that, I would, I would, I would definitely do that over, over Haskins. Yeah.
0: Can you really trust a quarterback that watches the daily show and grew up on the Colbert report? Can we really trust (laughs) somebody like that?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Oh man, I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, yeah forget it i'll insert a a political commentary there the patriots trust tom brady just is just fine and you know you look what he brought to his locker that day so if they can trust him (laughs) then i think uh we'll all we'll all be fine trusting uh, whoever at quarterback
0: i really think that's what it was they were like can we trust this educated thinks he's smarter than everybody else liberal quarterback who no one's gonna like (laughs) like i think that's all it was they're like this dude just knows too much politics. Like he's too invested. Like he's, he cares too much. He's not like it. It's weird. That was the thing. Where I was like, I, I remember reading at the time, like our teams just weirded out that it's like, Oh, he's not just like a bro. Is is that it? It's just, he's reading Albert Camus instead of um. just, I don't even know. Like it, I don't understand. Yeah. And he's and
1: Josh is like a uh, Richard Sherman in that. Like, if you're in, if we're all in the room josh assumes even if he doesn't know the rest of us that he is the smartest person in the room you know like that yes. can that can be very in- intimidating for you know people who are used to being the smartest person in the room so yeah maybe you know intel intelligent athletes scare people off you know if and yes. if i scare you off because you know, i'm intelligent then we probably weren't meant to be anyway
0: <laughs> i would agree um the one thing, though, that I wonder, and this is the last thing I'll say about the Giants and this Rosen-Haskins stuff. I would take Haskins if I was them. I really like Haskins. I liked him a lot at Ohio State this year. I thought he made a bunch of big-time throws. He was amazing in that Michigan game. Um, super accurate. He does a lot of good stuff. I, I like Haskins. I, am I concerned that he only played in, like, 12 games? Yes. That is that is slightly a concern, but I think he's accurate. He He's just the right type of quarterback in today's NFL and there's no excuse for the Giants not to take him and uh, go another year with Eli. I, I I would trust him more than I would trust Rosen because Rosen also just got his brain speed in. We've seen quarterbacks where like they once they just get hit a bunch. Derek Carr's another one um, where you get hit enough and you have a, you play behind a bad offensive line long enough, it just changes your makeup and you get more conservative. You don't sit in the pocket longer. You just you see ghosts and or uh, it's just I I would be concerned. <coughs> about what josh rosen had to deal with it was basically like just having the it monster around him at all times that i wonder if that's what it's going to be where he just sees him he looks up and he sees him everywhere and it's just not there i that's that's my biggest fear with rosen uh
1: yeah i mean the exception to that is obviously russell wilson played behind battle lines forever and we're just like you know what i'm still gonna be great you know doesn't doesn't face it but yeah that is a legitimate concern. And it's not even one I can really fault the guys for. If I was getting my head knocked around too, I'd (laughs) I'd start seeing stuff too. I'd probably be seeing more than ghosts. I'm seeing like Von Miller in my sleep.
0: I would agree. Um, Can the Pats fix their skill position depth issues in the draft this year? Because it's interesting. I would encourage everyone to just go look at that offensive skill position talent right now with Gronk gone and Dwayne Allen-Cud and just I mean, getting Isaiah Wynn back at left tackle is going to be huge for them, and their offensive the line is going to be great. They still have Brady, they still have Edelman, but like Philip Dorsett and like Bruce Ellington, and you're going down the list, and you're like, oh shit, Chris Hogan gone. Um, I I don't know. It's it it's a huge heat check for Bill Belichick, and uh, to go into. 2019 with this kind of offensive uh, skill talent. Um, Sonny Michelle is like a year and a half away from career-ending knee tendinitis. Like, it's... I don't know, man. I would be extremely nervous about the season. Then again, and this is the last thing we'll talk about, but um, the the Vegas over-unders and the Pats at 11 and a half this year. So, obviously, they know more than me and are more bullish on them this year. And I guess you should do that until they end up not winning 11 games in a season. But um, are you at all concerned that they can't address the amount of needs they have at that kind of, at those crucial positions in the draft?
1: Uh, well, you definitely can't just draft another Gronk, right? Cause that's Gronk's a once in a lifetime, you know, mixture of like, what if Zion played football would also, but also was like this frat guy who was also like the ver- the football version of like LeBron. It was very weird. Uh, but yeah, you can't replace that. But at the same time, I'm, it's not going to surprise me. You know, we ten, when they're like, uh, you know, six and three or whatever, my math may be off there. And Tom Brady sends a, sends a message to, to Gronk. He's like, what's up, big guy. I need you. And then he sends something very similar to like Jordy Nelson. <laughs> He's like, Hey, what up, man? <laughs> you feel like giving it one last run. And next thing you know, they're making a playoff push with, with super old Gronk and like, jordy nelson and they like create the like the team full of deceptive speed and like underdogs and gym rats that bill belichick is great at <laughs> compiling because i always say deceptive speed because you know that's always coded talk for when white guys are athletic uh so and bill yes. belichick is is just as as good as that maybe better at it than anyone it's like forming a team full of just deceptive speed like he'll bring in randy or Ocho Cinco or like uh they had some other guy a couple years ago who well, they they brought in like Michael Floyd like right after he got like cut I think for like a DY I think like they'll they'll bring yeah. in some 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 uh they'll bring in some black dudes like they just traded for Josh Gordon right they <laughs> not to say that like Bill Belichick is like uh racist or anything no man, he'll sign whoever but I really do think that a he'll either like line up some team with deceptively fast dudes and just like crush everyone and I also think that because Bill Belichick could probably take me you and my roommate who never played football and throw us out there with Tom Brady and a good old line, and we would probably all catch, like, 10 passes. You know, like, that's, that's how, how spooky good Bill Belichick is. Like, he could get a package from Amazon, and, like, uh, he has a receiver need, and just hire the guy from Amazon who dropped off his package, you know, right then and there. Next thing you know, that dude has, like, nine catches for 67 yards and a touch in the AFC title game. And you're like, who is this guy? He was just delivering packages for Amazon in December. And he plays for the Patriots. It's like, that's how spooky good Hoodie Bill is.
0: Yeah, um, it, you're probably right. I'm, we're probably overthinking this, or I'm <laughs> overthinking this. But it just Philip Dorsett, Bruce Ellington, Braxton Berrios, Maurice Harris, Jacob Hollister. is their starting tight end right now. If the season started today, no I'm not, one knows I'm not gonna is. lie. I don't um, know who
1: anybody you just named is. Not gonna
0: lie. That's what I'm saying. Like this is this is uncharted territory. I I don't know. I. I have my doubts about some of this stuff, but hey, you know, their defense is going to be fine. Um, hey, we'll see. I just I have to mention, that just I am surprised they're doing this.
1: Uh, I mean, it doesn't surprise me too much. If I was I was just telling my friends the other day, if I was a GM, I probably really wouldn't. If I was in charge of like player personnel and whatever, I wouldn't pay anybody, man. I'd pay my quarterback, I'd pay my left tackle, and I would Maybe pay like my center, <laughs> and then I'd probably try to go cheap, or like everywhere else. Like I'm not even joking. I'd probably every time someone good got up to when they needed a new deal, I'd probably like, you know what? You're 26, or 25, or whatever. I'm probably gonna be paying you according to what you're worth for like two years, but for like those final two, I'm gonna be wildly overpaying you, on like, on, like a five
0: five year deal. So
1: yeah, I can see that. That's what you know. At, at any, I would spot, definitely too. be cold blooded
0: quarterbacks. I would be like, if you, if you got up to the point with Andy Dalton and Dak, where it's like, we like you, we like, they could have won a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton four years ago, that run where he got hurt and they had to start AJ McCarron and that, the AFC was wide open that year. And that Bengals team was legitimately really good and really deep and really talented and he got hurt and that was it. But they didn't have to pay him at that point. And then you pay Andy Dalton. It's like, Oh God, that, that we can't keep the rest of these guys. And now he has to carry us and it's just not going to work. But you, you, I would just be cutthroat. Where it's like, nope, Dak, you're coming up. You're basically the 14th best quarterback in the league. We can find that in the draft this year. Goodbye. Like, sorry if someone else wants to pay you that. Great, but unless you're a top five, top ten max, dude, we're not doing it. Look at the blinds with Stafford. He's clearly like the 10th best quarterback in football. Doesn't it? Just it's rough when you pay these guys who aren't just like perennial, um, just needle movers. And even you know. Russell Wilson getting paid affected a lot of what happened with the Seahawks. Also, bad draft after bad draft with Schneider that also did went unnoticed for a couple of years. But he redeemed himself this year, I think, uh, with a multitude of guys, especially in the secondary. Um, excuse me, but yeah, I uh, it it's it's going to be a fascinating thing to to monitor um, this season. Uh, what did you think of Ron Rivera getting asked by ex-owner? of the Panthers, Jerry Richardson, to go talk with John Madden when he first started out. I read the story on NFL.com today, and I sent it to you, but it was something that was interesting. It was like, John Madden, popping up in the chat. There's so much we don't know that goes on in these NFL higher-up circles where they're just like, yeah, go call John Madden. And Ron Bear is like, okay, I guess I'll do it. It was great. Wait,
1: you know what I, I have to say? I did not know. I mean, I knew this before you sent me the article, but I, was, I just asked him the other day. I, I didn't know John Madden was still around. I I really, I really didn't. And you know, I'm I'm very comfortable admitting what I don't know to an extent. I Google things before I sound too stupid. Uh, but I always just assumed that that's why the Madden voice was like Collinsworth and whoever else is the Madden voice. I was like, Madden's still kicking. I was like, yeah, man, what do you think? I was like, I didn't know, you know, it changed, changed the voice on the game. Cause that's, you know, I remember old enough to remember, you know, playing like Madden 03 or whatever with whoever was on the cover that year. I was like, Oh, I think Donovan McNabb, uh, I'm like oh yeah, man's on there. Uh, my bad, uh, but yeah, I, that, that is a kind of weird story. When you send it to me, I was like, huh? Uh, All right, sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of my overall reaction to it.
0: He had a radio show last year that he f- officially moved on from at eighty two. Just doing it, just keeping it going. Was it a daily show? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um,
1: I ask that because that's really impressive Getting up and going to work every day at 82 Like no matter what you are doing
0: Hey Larry King's doing it right now Larry King is doing his show He's interviewing everybody still Larry King is going to do it till he's like 95 Larry King's 85 right now Wow Like oh. he retired for a couple of years And then he was like oh this sucks um, So I'm going to go back And he went back and he said he was going to do it till he died I think that's the way to go Retirement doesn't sound appealing to me. It's never, it, like it sounds appealing, I think, to people that don't like their jobs. But if you find your right career path and you enjoy what you do, there's no reason to ever retire. I, I don't understand it.
1: That, that to an extent, yeah. Depending on what you do and depending on how much control you have over who you work with, uh, yeah. that would matter a lot. Like I am. Uh, so if I was someone like Tony Cornerizer, right, and, and Wilbon. As long as they're together, if I'm someone, if I'm like Will or Tony, I'd be like, you know, I can do this forever with Tony. As soon as they like swap it in, and now it's like, I, right, uh, now we're gonna have like Frank Isola do it. Nothing, I don't know Frank, but it's just like as an example, you know. Then you know maybe I might be like I, uh, if I'm like seventy five, <laughs> I don't want to do this no more, you know. I like I could do it till I die with Mike. Like so, I would need control over who I work with. Like my my managing editor's name is Steve. I could work here at the Athletic like forever definitely with steve you know i don't know if i could guarantee doing this at like age 90 if i wasn't like working with, with steve like that would be a very important thing to be like who, who, how much control i have over who i work with because getting up is hard when you're that old man going to work every day no matter if you love it
0: that's fair i'm probably this is like one of those things where the my older listeners are like this dude is clearly in his 20s and has not worked um decade after decade and just waiting for these days and just the <laughs> ignorance Of these millennials, just yeah, um, millennials
1: against manual labor.
0: (laughs) We're the worst. We're another thing we're ruining manual labor. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick before we get out of here. Um, the biggest when uh lost totals came out this week, um, I have a couple written down here that made me just go, Oh, yeah, I'm taking the over, I'm taking the under. Is there any teams? That uh, you have on your list, looking at it, that you were like, "Oh, I, I love that."
1: Um, I would take the. Let me pull. Can I, can I pull this up really quickly? I, th- I know you sent it to me. I yeah, think while you're I doing that,
0: say, I'll give you mine.
1: Let's Let's see here. Uh, who did I? I think it was Jacksonville under.
0: Uh, yeah. Sure.
1: Um, I think Minnesota under. There was it, it. It was mostly unders that I that I looked at.
0: Tennessee on their- See, Yeah. The Marriott stuff's not great there. Um, teams
1: that I don't trust their quarterback, have- it's just hard for me to just like forecast you being better than I expect you, you know, to be. Cause like if I, like everyone I just named, I don't trust their, their quarterback. What was that? Kirk Cousins, whoever the quarterback is in mm-hmm. Jacksonville, uh, whoever Nick else Foles. I just said after that. Nick Foles? Oh, yeah, no. No. You can't trust, you gotta trust Nick in like pockets. He's like a reliever or like a uh or like a like a closer. Like, I need you just for like a month. Not like five months. So yeah,
0: definitely right. any of
1: these teams on here who like have a, a quarterback I'm not sure of. Heck, even the 49ers, I have no idea if Jimmy Garoppolo is good. You know, I'm taking uh, the Jimmy's there
0: and Kyle Shanahan. Oh, that's see that's my lock. So they are at eight right now. They're winning over eight games if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. Like that's that's a lock. That offensive line's going the right direction. That offense is just George Kittle is a very mean dude and I think that defense can be better in your like the like this just there's so many things that are working in their favor yes give me the 49ers are winning at least 10 games if their offensive guys stay healthy this year I'll go ahead and pencil that one in Washington at six wins no way that happens that they get I'm taking the over for sure this team almost won the division last year because just they have too much talent to actually be bad And when Alex Smith, like, one of my favorite things is, like, Alex Smith just, he does one thing extremely well. He wins regular season games. If he doesn't get hurt, I think they win that division. Like, that team is just, they're built to, like, just survive and not be terrible. But, like, painfully average. And Keenum stepping in is just too perfect um, for them. Where it's just, like, yeah, he's probably going to carry them to, like, six or seven wins. Probably eight or nine if they're all healthy. That's their... Cap is like nine wins, but I, I would not be surprised at all if they're hanging they're, around. They're Tampa going with at Case? six. Yeah, but, Case.
1: Oh, man, that's another. Oh, man, I'm not. As you can see, like, I only think like six quarterbacks in the league are good. Or just, <laughs> just with, I don't know if Case is is, is one of a man. It's just so many. Well, you're a college guys. guy, right? No, no, no. I actually don't like college football. Well, I don't like college athletics. Okay. Evil, but, like, generally speaking, I watch Wazoo. I went to watch this day, whoever we play, and you know I watch some Pac-12 games to like, y- you know, scout the competition. But I'm not like tuning in to like, Bama, Georgia, or, like the five PM slot on ABC on a Saturday. Mostly because I'm traveling, and two because I just don't care. uh Yeah, so I'm, I'm okay. being in NFL. So like, I trust that that Houston eight and a half. I like that. I probably take. I might take the over on I that. Do too. Uh, I like. I think I like. I like Atlanta. Oh, I think Atlanta will bounce back for sure. I actually think their quarterback is really good, and I think they got bit by the injury bug, especially on defense, really quick. They lost, like, three safeties in, like, three weeks. And their best linebacker, it was – they had some really bad – like, it, every team has injury-like problems, you know, but the, it hit Atlanta real hard, and they were just not equipped to deal with that at all. I think they, they should they should be a, a, a bit better. So, like, I, I actually like Atlanta – Uh, I kind of like, I kind of like Baltimore. That's iffy. It's hard to replicate how good that defense was. Uh, And now there's more tape on Lamar and they're not letting him throw. Uh, So I don't know how I feel about Chicago at that nine and a half. I might take the under on that too.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you on most of those. Um, Chicago 9.5 is, I will bang the under. Like, this team has all the makings of a huge regression candidate. Like, I'm not a Trubisky believer. A lot of that is just scheming, and they put a bunch of talent around him. Um, but losing Vic Fangio is going to be, like, an underrated thing for them. Chuck Pagano was out of football last year, and just replacing him in the, maybe the best um, defensive mind mine in today's NFL is just going to be a tough thing. So if the defense regresses and Mitch Trubisky doesn't get to the next level, they're in trouble. And that division's gotten a lot better. Like Detroit's making a lot of good moves this offseason. I think they're going to be better. I think the Vikings would be better. I think the Packers would be better. I, I I would be very nervous if I was a Bears fan. And the last one, Tampa at six. I think this team's going to win way more than six games. I think Tampa's going to be really good this year. I Are love the Aaron stuff. I love there? Todd Bowles. Yeah, but he... Jameis is such a weird thing because, like, I I, I don't like Jameis. I don't want him <laughs> to succeed. But I also don't think he's been nearly as bad as people have suggested. Um, and it's just I like Mike Evans a lot, and I love Bruce Arians as a coach. Like, I think this team is just going to be really good really quickly.
1: Yeah, that's the – he falls into the category of guys, like, that I don't think – although I do really love Jameis. Um, but I just don't – I'm a, big, I'm a sucker for pregame speeches. That's why I love them. Although the one where he was sucking on his fingers, I was like, dude, this is weird. Get your fingers out of your mouth. It's like, <laughs> there are very few circumstances where you as an adult need to put your fingers in your mouth around other adults. <laughs> you know, I just I don't, I don't Thankfully think...
0: Thankfully, they have Byron that. Lefwich there now as the um, OC, so he can, he can work with them.
1: <laughs> well, the other problem is, uh, you know, he, he throws balls to the team. You know, that's a huge problem. That's why I don't like Andy Dalton. That's why I never really liked Eli. And that's a real simple like measure of judgment. Like, hey, when you throw the ball, does it go to your guy? <laughs> you know, like that's a basic like fundamental judgment right there. Not even if he goes as far as like the Josh Allen, he's just missing cats. It's like, dude, you you can't be throwing it to the other team. And I know he was a little better uh, when he came in after Fitzpatrick you know, this, this last year, but I'm not sure how, how trustworthy he is. Someone said a while ago, I think, I think it was Colin Carrot, I gotta give him some credit here. That you can kind of tell how good a quarterback is after two years as a starter. I think that's what he said. I know he said two years. Maybe he didn't say two as a starter, two full years as a starter. If you get that as a guy, you can tell whether like, okay, cool. So you're going to be able to rock with this dude or, you know what, let's start taking quarterbacks in the fourth round to save our butt. Uh, him, Jameis, Mariota, Tannehill, um, Dalton I would have been shaky on. All these dudes, two years after the starter, I'd have been like, All right, let's let's start drafting QBs in like the fourth, fifth, and sixth round to, to save our butt. So I don't know how confident I can be with Jameis. Even though Bruce Arians, as you mentioned, is a good coach. I think he's lined up a good staff. There's just so much line on that quarterback position that I don't know if I can roll with what do they got? Six? That's probably just about right. Maybe 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 like five wins.
0: Okay. I mean uh, OJ Howard, before he got injured, was looking like the next breakout tight end outside of George Kittle. You still have Cameron Braith there, um, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Depending on what you think, of Chris Godwin, I think there's some real breakout potential there. Um, I think they had a I good uh, well,
1: they had good talent around him one of those years. It was like they had D Evans Evans, uh, OJ. I think ASJ, Doug Martin. Um, like they, I, I looked at, I think I particularly when the winners' division that year, I think.
0: Which year, I don't know what year that was, but well teams have been doing that. People have been doing that for years, waiting on the Bucks. It's one of my favorite offseason uh pastimes, just people talking themselves into the Bucks. And look at me. I'm doing it right now. Like, <laughs> this team just has a lot of talent. Like we just talk ourselves into them, and they never do it.
1: I also I wanna just like uh, and this
0: may be too late
1: now, but I do pay attention to the league. I know I've like kind of acts like is this person still there? Where'd this person go? That's because so many moving parts, like, right now, I don't pay attention that much uh, unless it's, like, that first wave of free agency. And then, like, after the draft, I'm real aware. But, like, right now, like, who – the team could be all in on Jameis. Next thing you know, these dudes trade up and draft, like, the the, the Daniel Jones kid and the Drew Locke kid. And you're like, ah, they're going to roll there. You never know. But, like, by, by August, I got everything down. I know where everyone's at uh just don't ask me like in december you know patrick mahomes threw a pass to kelvin benjamin on week 16 against the seahawks and i was like he's on the chiefs like i was at the game like, he's on the chiefs you know dude next to me didn't know I, I that one i was like i did not i had no no clue uh, but for the most part I, i'm very aware because sometimes i can't keep up with all the moves especially with the bad teams like who cares will is doing like except unless you're Nick Foles agent.
0: Okay. Well, let me throw you some names and you can tell me, is this a buck? This is our new segment on the Chase Amos Podcast. Is this person a buck? Brashad Perriman.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: No. He is a buck. Oh, boy. I'm going to be Blaine really Gabbert. bad at this.
1: No way he's still in the league. No, no way. No,
0: he's not a buck. Yes. Blaine Gabbert, backup quarterback for Jameis Winston this season. And, oh, they're not going to win any games. This team's going to be bad. <laughs> Jason Pierre-Paul.
1: Oh, one of the greatest off-season stories. Well, unless, you know, like, you want a hug from him. But, uh, no, not a buck. Is a buck. Oh, wow.
0: He's still there, huh? Good for him. He's still there. Jerry McCoy, still there. Even though he's, like, not reporting now and he's doing some weird stuff. So, I think he wants to trade. So, he might not be there that much Oh, later.
1: damn. That was, but, yeah. I was going to say that's the only, only guy on their defense I know is... Is him, but if he's not even showing up, oh man, that's a bad sign.
0: It's not great. All right, man. So how can we read uh, the athletic uh, Seattle piece that you had on Russell Wilson today? Just go to athletic uh, dot com slash Seattle.
1: Uh, yeah, the athletic dot com. Obviously, we have, we all have team pages. You know, the Seahawks page. I'm all over there. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar M I K E D U G A R. I'm always tweeting my stories. There's a link to all my stories in my bio. That's like my author page. Uh, yeah, I do a Seahawks podcast as as as, as well. Looks like I got to get got to get Chase on there. Got to re- like return the, the the favor there. Uh yeah, I do, yeah, do a Seahawks podcast. All that stuff. It's, I'm such a millennial right now. I'm plugging my Twitter my Twitter more than the, than the uh, site itself. But like my Twitter has everything there. It's like a like the better version of LinkedIn with more music.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, if it's if your Twitter account is booming, then that's good for the the athletic Seattle too. I think, Absolutely, uh, they're mutually they're not mutually exclusive. So there you go. Um, go read Mike's piece; it's great. Um, and let's talk uh, Suck football again soon, man.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys: if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second lead the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, Thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.